good evening, morning, afternoon, I guess evening, I guess this could, actually, you know, I, since I promised this podcast to a couple people, actually, this should go up tonight, because this has been something that's, what's funny is you had kind of stopped doing podcasts for like the past month, and then we've been doing like a podcast a day this week. Well, I need to get back into the Psalms and do the biblical ones too, I think that's just been just been wanting to do stuff i guess i think with you starting to feel a little bit better mm-hmm. um and i feel like and i can't really do much else right now like i have plenty of things that i want to be doing but after it's still recovering from surgery i can't do the like lifting stuff that i want to do but you can't sit here and talk but i can do this and i think our plate has shifted a little bit as far as the workload that we have before us and i don't think we've been able to quite figure out how to do it yet you know what i mean like i feel like we're still trying to figure it out so people get a lot of podcasts this week there you go why'd you have to get me thinking now after you said that about something else oh (laughs) (laughs) completely off all right Um, oh man no it's a good idea i don't know obviously just starting the home church going into surgery we're trying to figure out logistics of everything I just thought it was interesting that we've done a podcast like every day this week, but the last podcast we had, but besides having to do the one that we didn't want to do, um, was like a month ago. Yeah. And that did help. Um, I, I, I did get sick before this too. So mm-hmm. that helped in the length of time in between them. Uh, but anyway, uh, I have no idea what we're talking about today. You didn't tell me anything. So, well, I kind of. We'll see how this goes because we'll see how we want to do this. I have this vision of doing it like sort of kind of like you did the biblical womanhood video. Okay. With this um, book that we're going to be discussing. Oh, is that what we're doing? Well, yeah, I I think this would be better off as a podcast, you know, since I'm not you. You don't actually think it would be better as a podcast. You just don't want to be doing this in front of a camera. Well, both of (laughs) both of those things are true. Both of those things are true, but I think this works just better as a podcast because this way people don't have the, you know, I don't have time to sit and watch, you know, it's like, you don't have to, you can do this whenever. Yeah. And I know a lot of people do this in their car and stuff, or, I mean, if it does turn up anyway, we're going to, Okay. Let me get to my point here of what we're even talking about first, I guess. A lot of you have come to us and have, you know, just asked us various questions about your church and just different things and telling us different things that were going on with it, you know, in church. And we've canceled many of you on these things. And, um, you know, a lot of you had even had even before we even said anything you guys were feeling that the lord was calling you or convicting you about something something just wasn't right you know in church and you just weren't feeling right these things and then you came across um our stuff or whoever's you know and was like you know what these you know there's something to this this is kind of like what's happening at my church and now it's gotten to the point with uh a few of you that because of doctrinal issues, you've had to leave your local church. Or that you have not, you know, you have made 
the decision to leave your church because of these doctrinal issues. And I mean, these aren't a lot of these things that you guys are seeing aren't just, you know, surface issues. They're serious issues. So, and, you know, that's, that's pretty weighty. I mean, to, to leave a church that you've been at for a while and, you know, I mean, that's just, that, uh, that's a rough, rough thing to do and it's hard to do. And we don't take it lightly. No, not at all. Um, it literally makes me sick when I I get a sick feeling when people come to me about this and, and, you know, tell me these things about their local churches because I'm like, man, I'm praying for you. You know, I can only direct you in the correct answers. You know that I don't have an agenda with making people leave their church and going to a home church. You know, but I think sometimes like people but must assume that. People like, do oh, assume Well, you just that. want people to come to your little home sure, church. Sure, right. Home church. Sure. No, we're only doing home church because we have no other option. Right. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with home church. No, we like and I mean, church, we've been called into it, and then the Lord has definitely blessed us through it, and. You know, love that's it, just yeah. where he has placed us now. So it's not that it's one special thing. It's not a us versus them mentality. It's 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 not like that. We pray that you do have a doctrinally sound church wherever you live. And if you do stick with it and be involved in it. And unfortunately, that's just not the reality. Unfortunately, yeah, for the most of uh, most Christians all around the all around the world, that isn't the case anymore. So. You know, it's a lot of people are feeling like, okay, well, I, I'm not just going to stay in this situation. I believe this is wrong. I believe these things are, are not, you know, off. I'm not just going to sit here and just be in church just to be in church, just to feed my own pride and say that, you know, I'm, I'm feeling better about myself because I'm in church this week, you know, and kind of letting the, those doctrinal issues go and just say, well, we need to be in church. So we just go. So I'm just going to go. I am thankful to say that everybody that has come to us, they've said that they felt a weight on them for a while that right. something wasn't right. Yeah, thank and God because it would We make just me, happened to dig into scriptures that confirmed right, those for them. feelings. Right. I'm like, cool, because we don't want anybody to think, no, like, I don't want to leave your church and come hang out with not. us online. Like, that's not what we're saying. Absolutely not. I don't want people to do that. I want people, I encourage people to stay wherever they are if they're in a doctorally sound church yeah so and and, you know yeah um this is this is where a lot of this home church stuff and a lot of this gets cultish Mm -hmm. because you know they create this like this is the only way everything is corrupt this is you know and they're just got they get ridiculous so we definitely don't want to be that and want to acknowledge that this is where one of those those places where this can happen, you know. And obviously, it's a cultish thing too, trying to pull people out of church. <laughs> you know, like Absolutely. this is. It's not a. It's not you know like I said, none of this stuff is taken lightly. But we don't we're not trying to pull anybody out. We're just trying to um, equip people with the you know the knowledge to know how to combat this. And if it doesn't get better, then just the. The comfort and the encouragement to go ahead and get out and pursue a different way. I mean, you you still can you can go to another church, and if you can't find another church, that's what we started the home church for. Is basically like people that cannot get to church or don't have the ability 
or the church around them to do yep. it. Yep. So that's kind of a that's that's what the Lord has called us to fill and and so and I saw a huge opening for it. Uh, I never intended to be in this position, but I am. So I saw a huge opening for it. Now I saw an, a, somewhere where the sheep need to be fed. And a couple days ago, I read Ezekiel 34, and it just kind of scared the crap out of me again. And I I really suggest that y'all go read that. Um, because God's giving Ezekiel a message and he's talking about his lost sheep talking about how the leaders have misled them and they're just kind of wandering around aimlessly and God is really 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 upset at this whole like it's terrifying how upset he is and um I and I definitely and and he says in there, you know, and he's like, and there was no one to feed my sheep. So I'm like, I don't ever want to be in that position where I, if I saw an opening and an opportunity to go feed or go help somebody, that, uh, I, that didn't. I didn't do it. Yeah. So that's what we're here for and in, in teaching how to just deal with the blowback, deal with the... And, Remember, just equip ourselves for suffering. We know that we're going to. I mean, in the we know that the pain and the suffering will come from within more so than the you know the world's always going to be the world. Oh yeah, so your you know what's going on in the church is going to be your biggest objections. You know, some of your and it's funny, I have received more hateful comments from professing Christians than I have from anybody that is in the world. And I mean, we've had people that were very disrespectful towards God and Christ, but like they didn't say the mean things to us that professing Christians have. Yeah. And that's going to be where your sharpest nails are going to be is from professing Christians. So if you just arm yourself and equip yourself with that, you ask, well, how do I deal with it? What do I do? You deal with it and you do it and you stand tall and you forgive them and you don't take it personal. Yep. You just assume that this person is not at a level yet. And this requires spiritual maturity. Okay. This requires a lot of pride being taken away. Just a lot of just, just uh forgiveness yeah for people and this is one thing that taking the the path i know i learned i learned very quickly and this and this for me the lord blessed me with being able to do this very quick so this was a gift that the lord gave to me it's it's not anything special but it's just something that i was lucky enough to have to be able to be like this and to teach people and to realize it very quickly. And, and I fail at it. I'm not perfect, but I'm getting better with it. But to just go, let people be and say what they're going to say. Go, okay. Take it and ask them if there's anything that you can do for them. Is there any way that I can help you? Is there any way that I can pray for you? Is there any way that we can study together, do a Bible study? You know, whatever, anything. Just keep offering them. I mean, take on the form of a servant like Christ. Okay, he knew 
Judas was going to betray him. He still washed his feet. Yep. You know, I, why why not? We're taught to love our enemies. When reviled, we bless. You know, I mean, these these things are just, you know, this is what where the difference comes. Mm -hmm. Because the worldly part of us wants to get sad, wants to get upset, wants to fight back, wants that person to know that you hurt me. Or that you're hurting me. And they will, you know, they'll dig deep and they'll try to get you personal. And they will get you personal. But let it go. Just deal with it as it comes. And if you keep, you know, I guarantee you 100%. If you endure it and you stay in prayer, it may take 10, 15 years. If you just continue to endure it and you stay in prayer, God will turn it around. And these people will come back to you. If it's meant to be, if it's in the Lord's will, in my case, again, it is. These people come back to you and they apologize and they tell you, man, I'm really, really sorry. I didn't see like this before, but I see like this now. You know, man, I, this is this whole time I've been waiting for this moment right here for you to say this. So just, I mean, don't believe that the impossible can't happen. This is where we can move mountains. This is where people change this is this is where we put in that um the lord can change anybody Absolutely. we were talking Amen. about kanye we were talking yeah. about all this stuff this is this is where this can happen you can look at somebody directly in the and i was that person at one point you can look this person and go they're so far from anything like yeah. this but then turns it around and then the Lord uses it for his glory. Amen. So this is where that can happen. And the most unlikely sources and the most unlikely people can turn. But <clears throat> that's up to a lot of this is up to us. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of forgiveness and just suppression of emotion and just got to learn how to deal with it and toughen it, toughen up. Honestly, you, you've got to do, you've got to heed the advice that God, well, it's not advice because he's telling him, but God tells Job, paraphrasing, he's get up off of your butt, wipe yourself off, be a man and move forward. You're going to sit here and wallow in what you don't have, what's happened to you, how bad you're hurting this, 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 and this. You know what? Uh, if you want freedom and deliverance from all that, follow me and learn how to give everything up to me. Learn how to die to yourself and learn how to live for me. Okay. So, I think that's the probably the best advice that I can give as far as enduring this and just have patience with these people and still show these people love. But don't take it personal. Yes, it hurts. It does. And it's okay to cry. Have your moments. Okay? Have your moment, but then get up and stop it and grow stronger. And they'll come and they'll go. There'll, there'll be a couple, you know, they'll hit you out of nowhere. I've, you know, it happens to me too. It hits you out of nowhere that something just hurts you, man. It just crushes you and it just pulls you down. I've had it I happen, you know, crap. I mean, right prior to me going into the hospital. I mean, there's just these things that just hurt. 
and it just makes you genuinely sad. And most of the time, it's because people are walking as enemies of the cross in one way or the other. By their hateful speech, by their life, by their actions, by whatever it may be. And you love this person and you want to see this person, you know, being blessed and, and just, you know. So, yeah, I understand it hurts and you can have your moments, but then you know what? Too bad, so sad. God doesn't tell us to sit around and wallow. He, you know, he says, let me deal with it. You go do your thing. I'm God. I can do anything. I can set anything. But it's up to you for prayer and where your heart is. Is this really what your heart desires? Is this, mm -hmm. you know, these are all these things that we have to do. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I feel for both of you specifically that I'm talking about. Both of you know that I love you to death and Heidi and I are here for you um, constantly. People will say things. People will say things to you about us and what we're doing, and what you know. And they can say all they want. I mean, we're very public with what we're saying, so there we have nothing to hide. There's no secrets. It's not like we're trying to undermine, <laughs> you know, churches here in this thing. Sorry, that was Heidi's brother's dog. <laughs> Barking at the leaves, be. I'm sure, because there's nothing even out there. Yeah. Um. So anyway, moving on into this, everybody, I, I don't know if everybody's going to have the, the finances to do this or anything, because I think this is a little bit more expensive than Lori's book, wasn't it? Yeah, Lori's book was like $4. Yeah, now see, this is, I, I don't think this is going to be some one that everybody can um, go out and buy. It but was free. That's it when we was, got it. But and that's I don't when know how I much got it. it. And now it's now it's not. You might be able to go on, but it's called. And I did a podcast about this. And we'll ago. link it. Yeah, and we'll link it. And we'll. But see do you how think you'll be able to discuss through it enough that you could do the study without the book? As far as going through the discussions and stuff, like I you should get it and read the book. It's a great book. But I if you really, can't, yeah, I think I can do it without. But if you can't, but if you can't, if you're able cool. to, yeah, if you can't get the book, you know, obviously I'll go through it. But if you are able to, I really suggest doing it, sort of like Heidi did with your biblical womanhood study, be, just because of how great this book is. This is called, uh, and I like I said, I did a podcast on this book already where I think I read through the whole introduction, which I'm going to do now again. And some people went and bought it because of and because just they your did. podcast. So some of they you, loved it Yes, so some of you do actually have it. Um, but it's called Christ's Call to Reform the Church. Okay, it's written by John MacArthur. Um, it, you know, the little tagline says, Timeless Demands from the Lord to His People. Uh, it is... On the back, it says, The Lord Jesus Christ commands that his church be doctrinally and mor morally pure. That was his message to the seven churches in Revelation. Mm -hmm. 2,000 years later, it is still his command. Amen. Are you ready to listen? Um, I thought this would be perfect to go through for the people <laughs> mm -hmm. that are have been feeling this or... Um, or are even just still in question. Looking at your church, looking for a church. I mean, all of those things together, it all plays into and this. And all, um, let's see here. On the inside cover here, it says, The days may indeed be darkening, but the church's problems are far from new. I always, always say this. That's, 
I think that's probably one thing that if I had one of those little voice clip things, you know, mm -hmm. it would that would be on there. They have been with us since the beginning, and they are as dangerous today as they were then. In Christ's Call to Reform the Church, Pastor John MacArthur examines the letters to the seven churches in Revelation and helps us better understand Jesus' words to the loveless church, the persecuted church, the compromising church, the corrupt church, the dead church, the faithful church, and the lukewarm church. It's not popular in our tolerant times to speak of warnings or punishment, but Christ's message to five out of the seven was simple. Repent or face the consequences. Hey, Christian, that's to you. And that's the message many of us need to hear today. It's time to ask yourself, would, what would Jesus say to your church? I read that and I was like, yep, I got to do this for them. This would be perfect because this is going over exactly what we're talking about with people leaving their local churches because of doctrinal issues and like I said we're not talking about we're not talking about small little issues here we're talking about borderline full-blown heresy yeah it's some pretty heavy stuff like uh, we're not, not little, and in light, some little cases things. is full-blown heresy yeah. Um, in the two specific cases, I know it's not full blown, but it's, it's getting there. It's, it's stuff that would make most people cringe. It, it did me. And I just, unfortunately I had to give my full opinion on that. Um, so if we, if you are able to get it and follow along, that'd be cool. Like I said, I'm not like Heidi. I'm not going to do the videos. Um, I don't. I mean, I guess I could, but I don't plan on it. So I guess I have learned not to say that I won't do anything at all anymore. But still, I figured that this would be easier to do as a podcast rather than a video series. Just because of the content. It's much easier to read. Um, let's see. The introduction here. Yeah, you know what? We'll just do the introduction before we get into chapter one. And... Um, I'll do this as, we'll clearly mark this as a series, like part one, part two, part three for these. So this introduction here is part of what I re read yesterday for our Trump podcast that we did. Um, so like the beginning of this is really, really political. And I'm sure the beginning of this, we will pl get political. And then we'll just talk about other problems within the church too. It's not just the politics, but... In the beginning, um, this is kind of, he kind of just rails here on our American church, our American Christianity, and how we've got this idea that they're exclusive with one another, and that, you know, we're Christian Americans. End of story. End of story. Hand in hand. Hand in hand. And I know there are some of you that may be in those types of churches. So well, look at what was the big thing that your brother went through at Jeffers, Jeffers. Oh my goodness! Texas. Yeah, uh, that's a perfect example. And in, in First Baptist in Dallas, the Robert Jeffers, they had this patriotic service, the Sunday service. It was literally a worship of. It was literally a worship of state. Like it was, 
in church, most, like yeah, literally. It was, it was probably and it was huge. one of the most propaganda-filled things that I'd ever seen in my life. But like, people go and eat it up. It looked like a presidential rally in there. But it was a, but church, it was a church Yeah. And like, You don't uh, see any problems with that? Yeah. You can and, enjoy your country. That's fine. And but. I said, I say all the time, people think I'm so hateful towards the country and the church and, Amer- you know, all these things. I'm like, guys, this is, but you got to understand a lot of this attitude, not, most of it's not biblical. And, and that's it's, the we, issue. We have complete, you know, um, sound great men of God that are going out and speaking up and saying these things as well. And it's, it's not popular opinion, especially when you're young. Yeah. It's really difficult when you're young. Um, you know, but anyway, so this, this does get political here at the beginning and then we do go over other issues in the church as well. So don't think that I'm, this is some kind of anti-political agenda. Yeah, exactly. So, and and as I said, I know that I have done a podcast on this already, but that's back a little bit. So might as well just refresh everybody with a new, a new discussion on this. But we haven't gone anywhere past the introduction, so that's what I'm hoping to do with these series, like Heidi did the biblical womanhood. Go through the whole book. Yep. All right. In the book of Revelation, Jesus wrote seven letters to the cities in Asia Minor. He didn't write them to City Hall. (laughs) He wrote them to the church. Let that sink in for a moment. In the closing chapters of Scripture, the Lord did not set his church on a mission to redeem the culture. Do I need to to repeat that? (laughs) Say one more time. For those in the back. For those in the back. The Lord did not set his church on a mission to redeem the culture. He didn't advise his people to leverage political power to institute morality or to protest the rule of immoral men. In fact, he didn't launch a social revolution or devise a political strategy of any kind. I'll say that one again. For those in the back. He didn't launch a social revolution or devise a political strategy of any kind. Sorry. And I guess on another series separate, we're going to be going through the book of Romans because somebody suggested that to me today. And I'm like, you know what? That (laughs) sounds perfect. Okay, continuing on, he says, the church today, and this is what I read yesterday in our Trump podcast, but refresh your, I'm going to refresh your minds again. The church today, and particularly the church in America, needs to understand that God has not called his people out of the world simply to wage a cultural war with the world. Mm Mm-hmm. We're not meant to gain temporal ground like some invading force working to superficially, quote, turn this country back to God. We need to shed the illusion that our ancestors' morality once made America a Christian nation. There have never been any Christian nations, just Christians. Amen. There's no such thing. And the same propaganda that we use that God is blessing America, other countries use as well. Germans did, the English did. The English did. I mean, that was the first, I mean, that's the one of the biggest ones you can think of. And guess what? It didn't work. Just like it doesn't work here. Believers need to understand that what happens in America 
politically and socially, has nothing to do with the progress or the power of the kingdom of God. What happens in America politically and socially has nothing to do with the progress or power of the kingdom of God. Cultural change can accelerate the kingdom's growth, nor can it hinder it. See Matthew 16, 18. Christ's kingdom is not of this world. John 18, 36. That's not to say that I'm dismissive. That would be Dr. MacArthur. So people say a lot of things about him that are not true. But that is not to say I am dismissive of our democratic process or ungrateful to have a voice in it. It's a great blessing to have a, vo a vote and to be able to support biblical standards of morality. Many Christians throughout the history of the church have lived through far worse circumstances than ours with no legal means to do anything about it. That's a great point that he brings up right there and praise God. Praise God that we at least have the outlining standards of this because even in Rome during Nero's reign, during Domitian's you know, they these different things, ability. they did not have that ability. Nor has really any Christian had that ability. So yes, very thankful. There's there's something that I am very thankful to the Lord for this. He, for some reason, has put us in a position that it's not necessarily a position of blessing. Yes, because this is where we are the rich man trying to enter the kingdom of heaven. This we makes have it harder right, for us. It does. It, we we have it. We have it easy. You know, in this country, it is very easy. It's easy to forget God because it's so easy. Right. It's easy yeah. to get prideful and, and stick out your chest and say, I'm blessed by God. Yeah. I can do anything that I want. You know God. You might want to check that pride, nah, buddy. You might want to check it. All right. Continuing on. And I, this is where I love it. He, he gives this great, you know, yeah, we're, we are thankful. But the presumption that a social movement or political clout could make a significant spiritual difference in the world mm -hmm. is evidence of a severe misunderstanding of sin. Good, good night. But the presumption that a social movement or political clout could make a significant spiritual difference in the world is evidence of a severe misunderstanding of sin. That's huge. Ooh. You know what that, that to think that anything can do about this praise god for the the abortion rights activists that we have or i mean you know what i'm, I'm sorry the pro life yeah activists anti-abortion anti-abortion yeah. that we have you know praise god for the work that apologia does pray you know there's so many so many things that we praise god for Absolutely. for the work that the souls that are being saved but to th to think and believe that that is the way that the system is designed, to think that we can change the system, we can't. Satan is the god of this world, and he has control. God has ultimate control, but Satan has the reins of this. Why do you think he offered, even in a lie, but he offered the kingdoms of the world to Christ? Because they are his. He has direct control over 
everything. Absolutely. But um, as we can see, God allows Satan to do a lot of work. And that's Satan's playground. You don't you think Satan's Satan's playground is in politics. It's in the world. It's in the world systems, government. I mean, it's that's the where his control is. It's not just entertainment. It's not just these things. His control is political too. So I was trying to explain this to somebody too. It's like yes, God sets up figures of authority and he Absolutely. tears them down. But Satan tempts them and they're men. And he has allowed control over, in as soon as he gains enough control out of one, I mean, he, he controls the, the fate and or the destiny, not, not the ultimate fate, but the way of a decision. And that's where you see these horrible things happen. It's where you see back in history, you know, we see things like Hitler and, mm-hmm. you know, leaders like this. This is how that happens. Yeah, God rose up Hitler for his purpose, but you don't think it was Satan that was driving the ship? Yeah. You think that you think that God is going to sit there and yeah, no. He he was the one. So Well, I mean, you look at the demonic possession of Hitler, you know sure. what I mean? Like you look at all those things that were sure. in it. Like, yes, God did that, but it Satan was the one who possessed him, Absolutely. right? He set up that leader, but he did it for his purpose. And that's not just we see Look at what he did with Pharaoh. Yep. Look at, we have many Old Testament examples of yep. what happens in, in, you know, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. I mean, they're all the way up to King in, inside his own people and Hezekiah, for instance. Mm-hmm. And even though Hezekiah was a good king towards the end of his life, I mean, he did just despicable things that you don't do. And, you know that was that was the enemy's influence on these things that wasn't god's influence absolutely and it was their decision so it, it's it's hard to it's hard to explain that to people that you're like yes it was god but it was satan yeah. but it, god had control so we well because people don't understand god's sovereignty they, right yeah, like god really, is sovereign yeah. over everything but he allows things to happen but again that's where we have to remember we're this tiny little ant yeah, <laughs> you know he's got just, this whole big picture it's not like, that god i mean god's perfect plan didn't get messed up it didn't get screwed up he didn't lose any kind of control when man sinned. not at but, all and the plan just entered a different phase mm-hmm. and while the plan entered this different phase god still is in ultimate control but it's almost like you know he does allow satan to run this earth because of man's sin because of sin on earth that's just what he is allowed to do he is allowed to to have control over these rulers these authorities and god has ultimate control yes but satan is the one that influences these so that's why it's so hard um to to fight against that and that's what his point is here continuing on believers need to put our energies into ministry that can transform lives not into laws the work of god's kingdom is not about overhauling governments rewriting regulations or rebuilding society into some version of a christian utopia hmm. america but how like <gasps> yep <laughs> Political and social justice efforts are at best short-term external solutions 
for society's moral ills, and they do nothing to address the personal, internal, dominant matter of sinful hearts that hate God. See Romans 8.7 And can be rescued from eternal death only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. I just want to make sure that everybody hears this. Political and social justice efforts are at best short-term external solutions for society's moral ills. And they do nothing to address the personal, internal, dominant matter of sinful hearts that hate God and can be rescued from eternal death only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Morality on its own is no solution. It damns just like immorality. Morality cannot turn the stony heart to flesh. It cannot break the chains of sin. And it cannot reconcile us to God. In that sense, morality alone is just as empty to save as any satanic religion. Hmm. Dude, Harsh rebuke. He's right. Jesus went head-to-head with the most religious and outwardly moral people in his world, particularly with the priests, scribes, and experts in Old Testament law. He said, I do not come to call the righteous, but sinners, Mark 2.17. And in Matthew 23, he unleashed his most searing accusations against the religious right of his day, the party of the Pharisees. They were the most poised men in the nation, who fastedly kept to the I'm sorry, fastedly kept of the law of God and faithfully followed rabbinical tradition. Jesus says, "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites!" The word "woe" is the equivalent of saying "curse you." He's pronouncing damnation and judgment on them. He repeats the same phrase over and over in subsequent verses. He calls them blind guides in verse 16 as they led Israel astray through their empty, pious morality. Neither social change nor moralism were ever the message of the Old Testament prophets. They were never the message of the Messiah or the New Testament writers. Such has never been God's message to the world at all. In fact, Isaiah tells us that all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. That's 64.6. Man's morality at its apex is nothing more than foul, defiled rags. Your best works. I don't care how great of a soldier you were. Mm -hmm. I don't care how great your country was. I don't care how many people you saved. It does not matter. Filthy rags. All of it is. Moreover, Romans says there is none righteous. There is none who does good. There is not even one. That's 3, 10 through 12. So whatever imaginary righteousness man has, whatever superficial morality he exhibits is just a charade. There is no one righteous, no matter what kind of pious facade people put up. People can change their lives. They can have a moment of crisis and decide they're going to turn away from immorality or addiction and start living a better life. People can, to some degree, clean up their acts simply by applying extraordinary human effort and resolve. If enough of them do it, there can be a slight moral upgrade in human society. 
But behavioral reform has no bearing on people's relationship with God. It has no means to deliver them out of the bondage of sin into the kingdom of Christ. The best morality can do is turn people into another batch of condemned Pharisees. Gosh. But again, if you're hearing Let these things and in. you're like, ah, I don't like that. Okay, well, find scripturally where, where this, is, this wrong. is wrong. Show me. It's not. People just don't like talking about this. Mm-hmm. This is people aren't, you know, when they go to church, they're not looking for that. They're not looking to hear this because this isn't what's being preached. People, this is the bad stuff that you don't want to hear. But believe it or not, if you can if you can like and learn how to like and understand this, this is joyful. You get joy out of this. If you if you are spiritually discerned and you understand you're like, this all sounds horrible. Where is the joy in this? We'll keep filling you with food until we get to the solid point that you start it clicks and you realize, Oh wow. Yeah. I can't do anything. Why? Because I'm horrible and I always make the stupidest decisions. And I don't want to obey God at heart. I want to obey myself and I want to do what I want to do. See, sin is something that you have got to understand. Just like we just read above, we have a severe misunderstanding of it. And what it did and what it does. It's a stain. It's like a cancer. Some of you have lost people to cancer, parents to cancer, children to cancer. That's what sin is. It's like a cancer that eats you alive. That is constantly with you that you cannot get rid of this tumor. So if you've got that fight against you, how do you think that you can fight that yourself? You can't. That's the point. People can change their lives, continuing on. Nope, I'm not right there. (laughs) Denied. Denied. We only have one book, so I don't know where we are either. (laughs) Listening to you. Yep, I know where we are. Okay, go. But behavioral, I'll just start here. I already read that. But behavioral reform has no bearing on people's relationship with God. It has no means to deliver them out of the bondage of sin into the kingdom of Christ. The best that morality can do is turn people into another batch of condemned Pharisees. Morality can't save anyone from guilt or fuel genuine godliness. Pharisees and prostitutes share the same hell. The push for cultural cultural morality or even social justice is a dangerous distraction from the work of the church. It so is. I have this highlighted in mind. The push for cultural morality or even social justice is a dangerous distraction from the work of the church. It wastes an immense amount of precious resources, including time, money, and energy. Ephesians 5, 16, and 17 urges believers to make the most out of your time because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord of what the will of the Lord is. And the will of the Lord is not a culture governed by social equity or even institutionalized Phariseeism. The word evangelicals is derived from the Greek word for a gospel. It's ori- it originally signified Christians who understood that the gospel is the core and the very essence of Christian doctrine and therefore must be guarded at all costs. 
but it has been so painted over with social and political colors as to have become a political term rejected by most of society and even most professing Christians. The will of God is not that we become so politicized that we turn our mission field into our enemy. This is huge. The will of God is not that we become so politicized that we turn our mission field into our enemy. A few years ago, I'm going to give you an example right here, church. A few years ago, we were pissing and moaning about transvestites in bathrooms here in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's huge. You know what I saw in an article in the news yesterday, and I've also seen it on TV now? These mass amounts of trans people that are having regrets and wanting to go back and transition back into normal lives. Yeah. Go back to their... There's your gender. opportunity. These people were hurting. Yeah. The, we didn't acknowledge that. Instead, we tried to, uh, we tried to ban them yep. from existing. Instead of preaching to them and, and loving them and treating them kindly, not being affirming of anything that they were doing, but we certainly weren't treating them in any way that we could. So now we have this lost opportunity. Now you think it's going to be real hard to reach these people. Yeah. Because of your poious Phariseeism and complaining, and all of a sudden these people are going to rape children in bathrooms because they've got... This is ridiculous. And this is literally the arguments that were taking place. Yeah. I mean, it's that's that's our that's a mission field. Whenever you see something like that, don't be afraid of it and don't try to make write a law against it. Make that your job. Make that your mission. Not to beat them over the head with scripture, but to love them. But that's not what we did. We wanted to go at first to hate into making laws. And instead of saying, okay, well, this is a little weird, but it looks like let's you work need with Jesus. It, it Let looks me like help. you need yeah. Jesus. Let me help you. I don't know. I, I'm in no way affirming that type of lifestyle. I'm no way affirming of that at all. But I have to give apologies to anybody that was hurt by anybody that was that was like that, that turned people away or said hateful, mean things just because somebody's decision. And, you know, those things can be true for evangelical Christians, and we've seen the fall of that. One of the biggest cultish churches now that exists is built off of a child molester. Well known. Yet, let's go worry about the trannies. Yeah. And let's go, you know, just hate hate them for no reason. And start this, you know. Listen, I, I have children. It's hard to explain these things to them, too. I know the arguments that are there. Mm -hmm. But we as Christians know that that's not how we're supposed to treat people. And if you don't know... Come join our Bible studies in our home church because we're working on that right now. Absolutely. All right. Continuing on. And this is a faith. This is doctrine that must be guarded. That he, he says here. 
Christ. Christians oh. are right to repute sin and to declare without evocation that sin is an offense to our holy God. That includes sin like abortion, homosexuality, sexual promiscuity. That's huge. This whole boyfriend-girlfriend thing does not... No, it does not fly. That's promiscuity. And any other sins that corrupt culture says we must accept. No, we don't have to be accepting of these sins. But a culture sold out to sins such as those is not going to be turned around. Much less won over by angry protests and partisan politics. It's futile to think that the solution to our cultural, moral bankruptcy is a legislative remedy. There is no law that can make fallen sinners righteous. See Galatians 2.21 Well, that's that conversation we always have. I don't want to live in a world where abortion's been outlawed. I want to live in a world where where women don't want to murder their children. Yeah, exactly. It's the heart. And a culture sold out to those sins is not going to be won over by angry protests. They're not. Now, there's an opportunity probably of people that these these trans these transgender people are wanting to transition back into their normal sexes. This isn't from me. This is this yeah. Is this a, has been huge lately. This has been huge, and this is this is what tends to happen with these things. Any yeah. any major thing like that. Heck, that this story came out not too long ago about Bruce Jenner. Mm-hmm. The same thing. He regrets it consistently. And there's a lot of pain there. I, I don't know anybody who is going to be ultimately happy with that. I imagine there's probably a couple people that claim Think to be. Think they will, yeah. Um, but that right there, when I re- I was like, no, oh, that's a mission. That's an opportunity. Well, the same right thing, there. like everybody, all these dis- displaced immigrants coming in. Everybody wants to scream, get rid of all the illegal aliens, build the wall, yada yada, whatever. It's like that's a mission field. It's the same thing, yeah. We and, and we as the church, we as it's not our country's job. I understand to fix the world's problems, but this is where believers in Christ, man, if you had enough of them band together and you see a refuge, it doesn't matter who they are. Where they came there's from. No, there's no. literally no biblical basis to saying that, you know, we we have to be selective at the, at the people that we help. Nope. That doesn't work when you're supposed to be kind to even your enemies. You're supposed to give your enemies the shirt off of your back, paraphrasing. There's no verse that says this. <laughs> not, not exactly that. Again, that, yes, not paraphrasing. Exactly Okay, but I, I brought up the fact of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. I mean, he knew Judas was going to betray him. Yep, and yet he was there. And yet he washed his enemies' feet. So what is the difference between that and, and somebody that's coming in illegally that needs help? Yeah. I, I don't see much of a difference there. Nope. And we have to be realistic with this. This isn't about personal opinion or politics. This is about being Christian. Search your scriptures. Search your scriptures and tell me where Christ tells us not to love everyone. You yourself are to be a foreigner, an exile here now, in this land. We love everyone and we give and we help. And then we preach to them. We give them the gospel. 
because then you have people who take it the other way who say, well, we just accept and love everybody and their decision and can't say nothing about anything. Nope. It's like, no, that's not true love. Nope. (laughs) Being accepting and letting someone just you know what you do? You you bring in you bring in the Muslim refugee. You bring in the Syrian Mm -hmm. refugee. You clothe them. You feed them, and you preach them the gospel. Absolutely, Christ crucified. And you continue to preach them the gospel. You help people and preach to them. And that's that's a huge thing that we that we missed. And uh, I hope that, you know, I don't know how big these numbers are. I don't know who's hurting. I don't, heck, even if a transvestite came, you know, I mean, please. I mean, don't, don't think that all Christians are like this. We love you and we are here for you. Um, And if you're having those doubts and those things about decisions or anything that you've made, you know, Christ has the answer to all of it. <laughs> and he has forgiveness of sins that I can't give, but I can show you the direction to where to get that. And all those things will be washed away. And if it's this decision that you, you have to live with for now, um, just know that you get a second shot at a whole brand new body at this whole thing again. So yep. whatever's happened in the past, you're not unsavable. In any situation. It doesn't have to be just that. I just was talking about that specifically because that's what we were talking about. But I thought that was a good example of showing an opportunity um, that I think that we failed in. And who knows how open these people will be now to the love of Christ because of what happened to them. Absolutely. And the hate that they've received. So I don't know. But we have to think about these things. Not from a po- not a, from a political standpoint but from the eyes of Christ. Continuing on, guys, and we're, we're almost done with the introduction here. We've got a couple more paragraphs. We're done with the introdu- introduction. Timothy ministered in a culture that was at least as bad as ours. Nothing in Paul's instructions to his younger disciples suggested that Timothy should try to redeem the culture. Indeed, he told Timothy things would get even worse. He did that in 2 Timothy 3.13. In that verse, you will not find where it says, Timothy, they're, they're, they're bad now, but they're going to get great again. Yep. What the people of this depraved world, needs to un- world need is the gospel. They need to be told that their sins can be forgiven and they can be set free from the chains of sin in this world system. Believers have no right to regard lost sinners with contempt or loathing. Our attitude toward our neighbors should be a reflection of Christ's love for them, not an expression of our disagreement with their politics or even their morality. That's huge. That's a huge statement coming from Dr. MacArthur. That's really huge. We have no right to withhold the good news of salvation from them. Amen. Like Jonah tried to do with the Ninevites. See, we had this happen before. Mm -hmm. God, they don't deserve it. They're disgusting and they want to kill me. Ask Jonah how well that went for him. Yeah, he was, God was pretty upset. We ought to make sure that the lost sinners in our lives know that we love them enough to offer them God's forgiveness. There is a holy hatred for sin, but even Christ could weep over the lost, over the lost in sympathy, and so must we. The world is the way it is today because it is the world. 
and the church must confront it with the full truth. It's hypocritical for Christians to berate the secular world for the way unbelievers behave when so many churches are validating it either by believing in its ability to be, to be redeemed by human power or putting on a worldly circus of entertainment and cheap distractions from the real issues. Okay, guys, this is where we get a little bit away from politics here, and we're getting into this church thing now. Okay. It, oh, my gosh. <laughs> where do I... It. This is 90% of the church. And people send me sermons all the time of these pastors to listen to, and most of the time... You know what it is? It's va- <laughs> right here. It is hypocritical for Christians to berate the secular world for the way unbelievers behave when so many churches are validating it either by believing in its ability to be redeemed by human power. Every single Bethel song, every single Jesus culture, every single hill, hill song, song, every whatever you want to call it. It's, it's mainstream. all about building this kingdom and this power and walking out of the grave and walking with him and all this other nonsense. It's nonsense. Well, that's how, how Lauren Daigle's been number one on the charts for so long because everything boils down to you. How do you get better? How do you be empowered? How do you get glorified? And the world is going to change and we believe in the power of change. No, it is absolutely hypocritical. And it's just, it's a lie. It's a flat out lie. And churches are being, this is the way that every single series that I can think of, I think, that I've been sent. Validate either by believing in its ability to be redeemed by human power. Mm -hmm. Or by putting on a worldly circus of entertainment and cheap distractions from the real issues. Prophesy to me good things, prophet. I don't want to hear the bad stuff. Get out of here with your doom and gloom. Yeah. It's time for the church to be about the ministry of reconciliation. For God's people to both boldly and faithfully proclaim his gospel. And for his church to be the salt and light in this dark and desperate world. Matthew five thirteen through 16. That was the Lord's message to the churches in Revelation. He commanded them to put off worldliness and corruption, to renew their love for him, and to guard the purity of his gospel and his church. Virtually every admonition, rebuke, warning, and call to repentance our Lord makes in these letters is applicable to the church in the 21st century. Virtually every rebuke, warning, and call to repentance that the hmm. Lord makes in these letters. Absolutely. That's why they're there. That's why we it's have them. Are in many of today's best known and influential evangelical churches. It's time for us to pay attention to these letters to those churches in Revelation and to heed Christ's call to reform his church. Amen. So you guys are going to get this this John MacArthur book study and an impromptu Revelation study. <laughs> so um, because he goes through the, the letters to the churches in Revelation here in this book. And the warnings, and I think that we all can be blessed by it. And I'm in this way, we just force people to read the book if they listen to the podcast. <laughs> okay. I love at the end, the end chapter here. Don't drink the water. <laughs> well, it's the lukewarm water from Laodicea, but it, the water, the lies, 
Um, so again, it's John MacArthur's call to reform the church, and it is going over what we what we as Christians need to be doing, what the church needs to look like, and from a biblical perspective. Because, like I said, he just goes and dives through Revelation here, and and these are Christ's words himself, the warnings that Christ gives, and they're terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, get out your Bibles and John MacArthur's book, and we're going to go into Revelation. So, I guess this will be, everybody will be excited about this just because it's got Revelation in it. I know people have been wanting some Revelation study. So, here we go.